The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. JD. Pedro. This is a very special announcement. A very special announcement that we have to get under the desk because the bombs are coming. <laughs> God, you gave me a flashback. You Sorry. gave me a flashback. We actually showed our age there too. Yeah, duck and cover, we? yeah. <laughs> no. I like to consider this a lost episode. Really? That like, folks are about to hear. You know, like like Doctor Who? Oh, yeah. The ones that are stuck in the BBC yes. vaults. Yes. This has been stuck in the headstepper vaults. All right. For how long? Two weeks, basically. Okay. Well, it's still lost. It, it's you, still. You know, after 48 hours, it's a missing person thing. There it's you lost. Go. Yeah, yeah, it's lost. You see? This yeah. is what I'm saying. What happened, folks, and if you read the post that JD put up on our blog, basically we switched podcast providers. We're now with Art19 and, you know... We have 270 episodes, people. That's not an easy lift. It's a chunky, chunky archive. It's a chunky, chunky archive indeed. So basically, we just want to let you know that what you're going to hear is uh, aged. The yes. news is a little aged. Yes, like a fine Gouda cheese. Exactly. Yes. But we're going to come back with fresh. Yeah, we're going to we're going to be back at the end of the week. We're going to talk about the Sprint yeah, T-Mobile exactly, thing. We're going to exactly. talk about the new Gmail. We got all kinds of things we want to talk about. So this is your sort of preview for later in the week. There but in the go. meantime, enjoy this little time capsule from about a week and a half ago. <laughs> Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, tanks, and airplanes. Nice. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we've got a big bag of tech news to sort through, and I have a geek vacation suggestion. Nice. Having just taken a geek vacation myself. Yes, you did. You you take a lot of geek vacations. I haven't taken one in such a long time. Yeah, well, they're usually tiny geek weekends, <sighs> but... Yeah, they count. Yeah. Every vacation I take has something to do with, like... A cartoon character. Yeah, well, see, you you are firmly in the child oh, wearing yeah. zone. I am child free, so you know we. The only advantage. The only advantage is when we go to Disney, Star Wars. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, and they they got all the Marvel stuff there now too, don't they? They do, but the, my kids aren't too much. They they aren't very much into the whole Marvel thing. We're a DC house now. Yeah, yeah. I so, used to be Marvel, but I've switched. Yeah, so I take it you haven't gotten advance tickets for the Avengers movie that no, opens. No, I have uh, not. I haven't even seen Black Panther yet. Oh wow! You were, yeah, we're gonna wait for uh, my daughter and I are gonna watch it on DVD or Blu-ray when it comes out. Sometimes the home video on the big movies, you just get a better quality experience. You know uh, what I found? This is the God's honest truth. CGI is more acceptable. When I watch it on TV. Ah, because you can't see the imperfections. When you watch it on that giant screen, you see every ridiculous thing that's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. All right. So in addition to no, no annoying New Yorkers and right. you don't have to pay $15 for a bucket of popcorn. Exactly. The CGI is more pleasing to the eye. It is indeed. The, the, uh, the, the what, what do you call it? Uh, who's going to call it? The Justice League movie. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. On the big screen in IMAX... The bad guy, I even forgot his name, just looked terrible. Yeah. What was the Was it a Hammerhead? Whatever the heck his name terrible was. Terrible movie to begin. I yeah, mean, yeah, it was pretty bad. Except for the Goggle part. But oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. She, she was the only acceptable yeah. part yeah. in that thing. But so, uh, anyway. All right. So your, your movie plans are uh, at the uh, the Kaiser Cinema yes. there. Lost in Space. Oh, I, I've, I've heard good things about that. This yeah, is a Netflix stream, too. right? Yeah, I'm going to check it out. That's right. definitely binge-worthy. Yes, yeah, so I've got a little Netflix in the news here. Which, Do you really? Uh, yeah, they're, they're oh, in I here a little bit. Oh, I know this news. I know this news. I hope they're so. They're taking over the world. They are. They, You know, we thought, you know, it started with a little coupon you got when you bought a DVD player in the late 1990s. <laughs> yeah, and here's this right. service called Netflix. That's and you can right. get DVDs by mail order and look at them now. 
But let's let's go on. We'll we'll get to Netflix in a moment here. But shall news. we roll on to some real news? Yes, here? please. Now, state resistance to the Federal Communication Commission's repeal of the net neutrality laws has jumped over an early hurdle. California, which wrote the strongest state net neutrality bill in the country after the repeal, uh, their bill got approved by a California Senate committee by a vote of eight to three, uh, and that was a vote to move the bill forward. The people on the other side of this bill who were lobbying against it, I'm Mm. sure you can imagine, um, AT&T and the cable companies. Really? Yes, they they, they were not fond of this moving ahead. Uh, AT&T claimed the rules weren't needed because it already follows its own net neutrality guidelines. And the cable lobby people told the senators that large corporate users shouldn't get, quote, free access to consumer broadband networks. Oh, really? So they were going at it from a business standpoint here, but it didn't work. The the bill moved forward. There's a few more steps it has to do. California's legislation is basically a state version of the original FCC rules from 2015 on blocking and throttling and paid tiers and all of that. Nice. Remember the things that I do everyone thought were bad. Um, but it actually goes farther than the FCC rules with a ban on paid data cap exemptions. So, oh, so yeah, I like California that. is, is yeah, uh, bringing us here. Around. Now, uh, so it's made this first hurdle. The bill now has to go through the state judiciary committee before reaching a vote for the full California Senate. It would also need the approval of the Democratic Majority State Assembly, and uh, the governor there, uh, Jerry Brown, is also a Democrat. So Governor Moonbeam. Yeah, so the, the odds look ever in its favor there if we can yeah. get through the next hurdle. So. Wow. This so is we'll good. see. And yeah, and if California brings this, I know New York and a bunch of other states yes. have their own laws uh, that they're, they're bringing uh, up they for do. votes here to kind of get back what the federal law had provided. Tiberius. Yeah, yeah. Tiberius. Eric T. Schneiderman, uh, right. here, the, the New York AG. Yeah, he um, doesn't mess around. Yeah, but we'll keep an eye on, on what's uh, going on there. Now, also in California, yes. the Los Angeles Times and others are reporting that Netflix has considered buying its own movie theaters in L.A. and New York uh, to let it screen feature films and documentaries. Yep. While insiders report no deals have actually come to fruition, uh, the idea is out there. People are talking about it. Netflix, I think, wants to spend as much as $8 billion a year on original and licensed content for its subscribers. And I think they have like 80 movies that they're working on planned yeah. release this year. This is a studio now. They, but you know what? But, I think this is a reaction to Steven Spielberg. Oh, really? He said, hey, if it's a, it's a TV movie, guys, you know, come mm-hmm. on. You're playing in the wrong field. We can't give you Oscars. You yeah, show on yeah. TV. So, so they go, well, okay, we're just going to buy a theater. Yeah, that's right. We're just going to buy a theater. Now that's thinking outside the box. That is there. thinking outside the box. Yes. That really is. So, so they're thinking about that. Uh, Netflix also just announced new mobile previews for the iOS version of its app, and I think it's coming to Android uh, soon. But uh, each preview of a Netflix series or a show is about 30 seconds long and presented in that vertical format that's kind of creeping into a lot of video that yeah. we're seeing these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can basically watch them without having to flip your phone around. Uh, they're, they're going for, like, the mobile people in a hurry who don't want to mess with, you know, auto-rotation. You know how much that drives me crazy, right? Really, because you, you, you like your horizontal format, I do. don't you? I mean, come on. Yeah. You're taking away most of the screen. What are you doing? Very, very tall videos. Oh. Uh, but but I, I think they're formatting it for this particular aspect ratio. Let's so hope. hopefully, you know, you won't you won't be losing your 70 millimeter uh, Vista here with yeah. uh, you know, a quick preview. Yes. The previews are supposed to be shown like a slideshow. Um, and if you so- see something that you like uh, within the preview, you can tap and add it to the list of stuff you want to watch on Netflix. If not, you can just swipe and go on to the next one. So they're... 
much like they do with these sort of automatic start of episodes when you watch there yeah. and recommendations. They're just trying to get you to keep looking at the Netflix just stuff. Just hooking you in. Yeah, hooking you, you in. know, YouTube uh, also getting into trouble. We talked about them last week uh, with kind of uh, tracking users and yeah. showing stuff that's inappropriate to kids. Yes, that's indeed. heating up. NBC did a thing on that earlier this week. So YouTube's getting some uh, looks at what it's using for algorithms and things. But, you know, all this is, uh, all these video sites are doing it just to keep you looking. Absolutely. Now, speaking of film world news, Variety reports that the parent company of MoviePass, the popular subscription service for seeing one new movie a day in an actual movie theater, I think, for like $10 a month. Not a Netflix movie. Yeah, not a Netflix movie, but a a regular, like, I'm going to go to the AMC and see Black Panther kind of movie. There you go. The parent company of MoviePass kind of saw its stock market share price tank by 40%. 40%? So, yeah, which is going to wow. make people who love MoviePass a little nervous. Um, shares of Helios and Matheson Analytics, the majority owner of MoviePass, uh, saw their shares take a dive after announcing the pricing of the $30 million public offering was lower than expected. They also disclosed that an uh, independent auditor had raised substantial doubt about MoviePass's ability to continue operating, and the analyst said this was a growing concern. Hmm. You know, operating losses are going to eat right. into of course. things there. So a little shaky there. I think Verizon might actually be also a, a part a backer of this uh, MoviePass venture. But a lot of people I know are just – they are addicted to MoviePass Yeah, no, now. I know it's, a lot of people who are into it. Yeah, so if this uh, go, goes away, it's, it's going to – Yeah, but I think there will be another – there will be someone else – Taking up the uh, mantle. Yeah, and I think they're in like 91% of theaters. I know there was a little sort of spat with AMC where you couldn't see AMC movies in some locations. But I would think the theaters would be all for this because, as we know, they don't make a lot of money on film rentals. They make it in concessions. That's right. People are in there, you know, every day seeing a new movie. Buying juju beans. Yeah, they're going to want their popcorn, their their jujus, their little white things on the chocolate, you know. Yeah, uh, snow caps. Yeah, those so, so and they make a lot of money because those they things do. are very expensive. Because so. they charge like forty five bucks for a box of Mike and Ike's. Yeah, before you even get to like the nachos. Yeah, and with it, that you, cheese you can also use for caulking the bathtub. You need. <laughs> so they're um. You need a mortgage for those. Yeah. So so well we'll we'll keep an eye on Movie Pass there. Um, By the way, they the only place on the planet that they sell Mike and Ike's, or is it Ike and Mike's? It's Mike and Ike's, right? I think it's Mike and Ike, but I, I, I'm, it's in the good and plenty. Yeah, it's in the of, of, good and plenty, yeah. like, you know, that's the only place they sell it in movie theaters. Yeah. I've never seen it anywhere else. And Red Hot Tamales, too. Red, the, exactly yes. right. Exactly right. Never seen those anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, because Junior Mints you sometimes see in the yeah, wild. Yeah, you but, do. Uh, Occasionally. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely a, a movie theater uh, oh, yeah. breed of candy there. Now, this one you might find interesting as uh, it is well documented that you are an Alexa owner. I am. The family likes to interact with your Alexa speaker. Multiple Alexa owners. Yes. Amazon is letting Alexa owners create their own skills now for the talking speaker software. The company announced Alexa Blueprints, which is a new way, which you don't even have to know how to write code. Nice. For any Alexa owner to create their own customized Alexa skills or responses. Now, as one might expect from the name, the blueprints are template-driven and allow Alexa owners to just sort of punch in stuff to create their own voice apps. You can make a trivia game or bedtime stories, put in family jokes, have it ask, you know, ha- have it have answers ready for questions that you're going to ask to amaze and wow the kids. Oh, boy. You know, you can say, oh, you know, you can program a thing, you know, so when a child asks, you know, Alexa, who is the best papa, you know, Alexa oh, will have an answer. Oh, man, I won't let Boom Boom anywhere near this. Yeah, he, uh, the, the, you don't tell him that the blueprints are available at blueprints.amazon.com. Oh, no, <laughs> um, no. He'll be downloading them. Don't listen, Boom Boom. Yes, but after you filled in the template with your own content, you can name the skill and publish it 
with a couple of clicks. The new skill is not public, though, on the Alexa Skills Store, right. so just, you want to keep it in, in the family. That's right. But it's available to all the Alexa-enabled devices associated with your own Amazon account. Nice. So. There's at least three in my house. Yes, so, so some more customization there for the uh, I'm Alexa I'm liking phone. it. I'm liking it. That's fun. Yeah, well, it could, it could give me a little creative project. I'm too. sure it could. Mm-hmm. Or he could just make cuss words and start well, yelling at the there's that, thing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So well, maybe you should do a few for him. You know, yeah, he's discovered it. cuss words, but. Oh, dear. Yes. Oh, wow. A friend at school. It comes uh, a day, you know, when you cross that threshold into your first. uh, Exactly. Which one did he drop? He dropped the F-bomb. Oh, wow. Yes, he did. He went right to to DEFCON 5. Uh Uh-huh. He did it. I always forget. Is it, does it go up or down? The DEFCON scale, I believe DEFCON 1 is the highest. DEFCON 1 is the highest. 5, it's the opposite of what. Well, yeah, he went to DEFCON 1 then. Yeah, so what was the occasion? A friend of his was using it. Really? Yeah. And he just thought it was a cool, just, nifty yeah, word. Yeah, he just, he really didn't understand what he was saying. Now, he didn't do this in front of a whaler or anything, did he? Uh, uh, no, he said he did in front of his teachers. Okay, so it was yeah. a school thing. Uh, yeah, it's a school thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right, so. Um, yeah, and, it was fun. Did you have to have a talk? Oh, yeah. We got the call and the email. Yes, there are some words we yeah, don't use. Exactly. We, yeah, exactly. Nicely done, boom, boom. Thank you. Wow. I Has his sister ever, to- ever... She probably hasn't even cursed at all. Has no, she? she she's she's. I mean, she knows all the words. Yeah, because she's reading everything. Yeah, but she knows when, when to, to use, use them, them if you not. feel the right. need to. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think there was a survey that just came out in Minnesota that 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 eleven o'clock is kind of the threshold of when people start cursing. Yeah, ten fifty four. Yeah, ten fifty four. Exactly. Yeah. So so did Boom Boom hit that? Uh, that no, marker no, no, no. Actually, as an no. afternoon cusser. No, I was I was cussing at five a.m. today, but that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. It's it's curious uh, how they come up with these yes, uh, exactly. statistics. Adjusted for time zones, I Yes. Hope. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Yes. But I'm uh, moving on. Um, the Verge site reports that Google is finally gearing up to take on Apple's iMessage in the realm of unified text messaging apps that actually come with the operating system. Google is said to be going about this text message game a little differently, though. Really? Instead of uh, getting together all the engineers and making the magic happen with a killer app, Mm -hmm. Google is leaning on all the major wireless carriers to adopt a new technology that would replace the current SMS standard. What? Google's app is said to be called Chat. Okay. Chat. Chat. And is there big. an exclamation on the end no, of it? No, no. It's a, they're not chat. doing the Broadway thing. It's just no. chat. Very, you know, chat. But you keep doing jazz hands, so you're confusing me. I know. Sorry. I'm, I'm yeah, you're kind a of excited just yeah, by you're the, a theater the, the banality of the name. Yes. Yeah, so, um, but uh, chat is based on a standard called the Universal Profile for Rich Communication Services. Oh, boy. Rolls that off the tongue there. means poor people like me can't use it. Sorry. Well, yeah, they don't mean it that way, do yeah, they? Yeah, I don't think they mean rich as oh, a monetary okay. thing. I gotcha. Rich is a wide uh, breadth yes, of tools. Yes, absolutely, um, yes. The Verge site reports that chat is not a new texting app. Instead, it's more like a new set of features inside an app already installed on most Android phones. Chat is a consumer-friendly name for rich communication service. Uh, that is the standard that wants to kind of take over and replace right. SMS. And it'll be automatically turned on inside Android Messages, the OS's default standard for any other texting app. Hmm. Uh, you can use it to read receipts. So you get the typing indicators if someone's writing you back, full-resolution images and videos, group tests, all of that stuff that we know in iMessage and, and have become kind of common for text messaging right. uh, applications. And can now be used on an Android phone. Eventually, yes. Uh, since Google is working with the carriers, the new chat service uh, should be interoperable, you know, because sometimes you get that thing where, like, it won't work with iMessage. Correct. You have to go back to SMS. Right. Which this system, I guess, will also do if for some reason 
the person you're sending to is not chat compatible, then it'll fall back to SMS too, uh, like it does with iMessage now. Nice. But it won't be end-to-end encrypted, so Uh the same legal intercept standards that that people use uh, could apply here, and not as secure as iMessage or Signal, which I think are some of the ones that really... uh, I I use Signal, yeah. Yeah, encrypted all the way from end-to-end. Yes, indeed. So, so uh, there's no word on uh, if or when chat is uh, coming out and if Apple will support it. But, uh, yeah, after, I guess, years of people saying, well, where is the Google version of iMessage? And there's not something that comes directly and works like that. Uh, they're just going to change the carrier, uh, how the carriers handle it. J.D., you know exactly what I'm going to say. Just two words. Google Reader. That's all I have uh-huh. to say. That's all I got to say. You'll get all hooked on it. Yeah. Take your chat away. Uh-huh. They'll take my chat away. Yeah. No, I'm not falling for it. You're not stomping mm-hmm. on my heart again, Google. Sorry. Yeah, so you're going to stick with uh, Signal. Right. I'm yeah. sticking with Signal. All right. Well, uh, but but big news in the chat world. So we'll see when, when the program launches. Um, now, going back a little ways. Okay. Uh, sort of to the middle of last week. Uh, we're, Facebook, on the, we're on the Wayback Machine? Not wait. We're, we're just, you know... A slight rewind gotcha. uh, slight to, rewind. to last week because when we, I guess, last recorded yes. Mr. Zuckerberg's testimony in front of the congressional panels had not fully happened No, yet. it had not fully happened And yet. we had said that we will come back to it this week uh, now that it has happened and it's past tense now. The and only thing I got I really don't understand was that little booster seat that he was using. What was that all about? I guess he needed to, maybe the chair was low. I, everyone talked about his booster seat. Yeah. Like he had to, and I know he's not a super tall guy. The fact that everyone was making a big deal about the booster was a little insulting. I mean, I'm a short person too, but uh, yeah, but it was like I don't, I don't get it. He didn't really need it. Yeah, he, maybe maybe it was sort of a lumbar thing. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to appear taller than he was. Yeah, a and, he, more and he was wearing a suit, which he never does. Although someone pointed out a five hundred dollar shirt, by the way. Yeah. There was a $500 shirt. Got him out of his T-shirt, though. Yes, uh, it did. And somebody pointed out that his his blue and gray uh, suit sort of matched the colors of Facebook, you know, with the, their... Uh, really? Yeah, the, the gray was sort of the same color as the... Oh, boy. So so anyway, he, w- he was dressed nicely for his chat with the congressional people. Did I mention a $500 shirt? You mentioned that. I yes. wonder if... Uh, I think he got like snow cone juice or anything <laughs> on it after the, you know... You know, it was you're in D.C. and it's hot and you go to one of those snow yeah. cone carts and... Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure he. I'm sure he probably got on his plane and went back to California oh, of course as soon as it was over. But he testified before Congress for two days last week, uh, and the general consensus seemed to be that he mostly escaped unscathed, uh, and also that some members of Congress are not too hip with the tech. They had no idea. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. no I, I love that cartoon of like Mr. Zuckerberg. These cookies you talk about are they oatmeal? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think kind of uh, was probably about the level of of tech that some of them technology. Had. By the way. The mean stuff wasn't about the booster seat. It was the comparisons to being an alien or data or a reptile. Oh, yeah. I saw him photoshopped into a star. Oh, my God. After a while, I was like, enough. I'm starting to feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Yeesh. So, but he did his, his, you know, he he did his, I know his team had to get back to uh, a lot of these things. And my team will look into it or whatever. But he did make promises about strengthening Facebook's privacy policies. And he rebutted the notion that the company sells its members' personal information said there's a very common misconception that we sell data to advertisers. We do not sell data to advertisers. We give it away. Yes. (laughs) So what they do is they allow for advertisers to tell us who they want to reach, and then we do the placement. It's a very fundamental part about how our model works and something that's very often misunderstood. 
Zuckerberg also said Facebook was looking into past and current Russian interference in American civic affairs and is, uh, says that they're taking more responsibility for what's posted there. Um, so, and as far as the Russian uh, thing, I think the Democrats just filed a lawsuit they against uh, Russia for interference. I don't know. Yeah, we're recording on a Friday and they did it this morning. Yeah, so uh, good luck with that. I don't luck know if that. Russia's going to show up in court. But, yeah, I uh, doubt it. But yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, things still brewing over the 2016 election. It's a big country. How are we going to fit it in the court? That's the thing. I know. I think we may have to video Google yeah, Hangouts exactly. or something. Google Hangouts. Yes. Yeah, so, so or that, Google Chat. There you go. There the you the go. new chat app. Nice. Now, another Facebook news. The company is said to be trying to squirm away from the new data privacy regulations coming next month for citizens of the European Union. Really? The new general data protection regulation laws take effect on May 25th. And companies who violate the privacy of their customers under the GDPR could face fines of up to 4% of global annual revenue. So what's that for Facebook? Like a couple billion? Yeah. Yeah. Now, for tax purposes, Facebook routes its revenue through its office in Ireland, uh, as other companies do, yes, to, do. to get some tax relief there. But um, – and Ireland is a country in the European Union. Yes, it is. Uh, except for the northern part. Uh, the southern part right. is in the EU. Right. So you'd think all its users would get the GDPR uh, protection because – One would think, yeah, yes. Yeah, one would think. However, uh, no. OK. In order to lessen its exposure to the law, Facebook recently tweaked its terms and conditions to move legal responsibility for all users outside the US, Canada, and the EU – from its international headquarters in Ireland to its stateside offices in California. How convenient. Yes. Uh, that means that those 1.5 billion users from Asia, Africa, the Middle East, the PACRAM, places that are not uh, the U.S. and mm-hmm. uh, Canada and the EU are all going to be uh, governed by the California laws, which, as we know, the U.S. is a little more lax on the privacy uh, stuff. Just a little bit. Yeah. So so a little move there. Yes. Um, Facebook, though, was not alone in this. I think LinkedIn and a few other companies did it, too, just because these are companies that uh, need a lot of uh, personal data. And, and remember, and was, LinkedIn is Microsoft. Yes. So so they did that, and everyone's like, what? But what? I guess it's the thing that a lot of these uh, companies are, you know, oh, yeah, even though we're, you know, sort of uh, do, enjoying the tax-free love of the EU, you know, we're, we're going to – Put your privacy stuff over here. It's a little like three-card Monty. A little it? bit, yeah. Follow the queen. Yeah, and I don't know if this will go unchallenged, but um, that, that, that's what they're moving to do. Wow. A new report from the Pew Research Center finds that most Americans prefer protecting information freedom on the Internet over government crackdowns on fake news. Right. However, that majority is also not opposed to more regulation of the tech companies. Right. The survey breaks down uh, the responses partly along party lines, and I think they had some age uh, factors in there as well. Now, as the study reports, Republicans and Democrats are equally resistant to steps by the U.S. government to restrict false news and information online, even if it means, you know, potentially limiting people's freedom uh, to access and publish information. So I guess we're not going in the Germany, you know, the sort of hate speech uh, route uh, uh, fully. But a majority of Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents favor steps by technology companies uh, to rein things in, while Republicans and Republican-leaning independents are about as equally split on that proposal. Uh, The study also found that adults with at least some college education are more likely than those with less education to oppose efforts by the U.S. government to curb false information online, even if they impact the broader public information freedoms. So That's interesting. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, so – and then this is a, an interesting study too, which we'll link to. But uh, yeah, so people are – yeah, we need some protection, but I'd rather have it out there than have censorship or whatever uh, right. by the government. Because this is America, damn it. This is America, yep. 
Now, uh, malware on the web is nothing new, and web browsers are constantly having to update their defenses against new exploits. Every day. Every day. And Microsoft, which has, you know, been blamed for a fair amount of security <laughs> holes over the years. Rightfully so. Yes, uh, they're, they're kind of stepping up their game even more, and they've released a browser security extension, but it's not for its own Edge or Internet Explorer browsers. Do tell. It's for Google's Chrome browser. What? <laughs> I'm sure Google was like, get away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, Get out of here with that. Yeah, so this extension is based on the real-time protection tools already in the Windows 10 Edge browser, which so, I don't know a lot of people use because they find it no. a little feature bereft. But. but hold on, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my brain around this one here. So Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft is making a security thing extension. Yeah, extension. We'll call it a Who'sy What's It. Yeah. For Chrome. Yeah, for Google's browser. Wow. Yeah, and you can buy it. We can't buy it. It's, it's free. You can download it in the Google Chrome store wow. for your copy of Chrome should you choose to do so. My mind is totally blown right yes, now. Yes, uh, boundaries are just getting smashed yeah. here. Uh, the free extension is called Windows Defender Browser Protection, and it claims to protect uh, people using it against online threats like phishing and malicious websites. Now, as uh, Chrome users know, Google already has some malware and phishing protections built into Chrome that it put there itself because right. it's its product. Yes. But Microsoft quotes a security report from NSS Labs that says, uh, found in tests, Microsoft's Edge browser blocked 99% of phishing attacks, while Google Chrome only stopped 87 of those intrusions. Oh, snap. Yeah, so Microsoft's like, we're better, we're better, we're better. Oh, oh. But, but Google has been stepping up Chrome. They recently, uh, I think on the Windows version at least, added some tools that if there's malware on there that Chrome has picked up, it'll rip it out for you. And Yeah, Google's not messing around. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's you know, I mean, Mozilla's still there. Yeah, and Firefox has some some nice stuff built in too. But, yes, yeah, I just thought I was like, really? Microsoft is telling Google how to? That's still blowing my mind. Yeah. Every time you say it, I'm like, what? Yeah, so now I kind of want to download the extension and see what it does, even though running a lot of browser extensions can also be problematic in itself. Just but. a little bit, yes. But anyway, we'll see how they work that out and how long this thing is actually in the Chrome store. This could be fun. Yes. And finally, and finally. speaking of security, all kinds of things are getting hacked these days, thanks to more devices than ever being online. But in a recent interview, the cybersecurity firm Darktrace said hackers are increasingly targeting unprotected Internet of Things devices. Hello! Which you have been uh, concerned about yes, for many years. thank you! We've seen it in exploits of DVRs and webcam with right. webcams with the, the hack a couple years ago. Yes, indeed. But Nicole Egan, the CEO of Darktrace, said hackers are using net-connected air conditioning systems and closed-circuit TV setups to get into corporate networks. And in one incident uh, that has just come to light, I think it happened a while ago, but it's just come to light, a casino's customer database was hacked through the smart thermometer in the lobby aquarium. Stop. Stop right there. Say that again slowly. Very slowly. Yes. A casino's customer database was hacked through the smart thermometer in the lobby aquarium. <laughs> Ms. Egan said the attackers used the unprotected aquarium thermometer to worm their way into the casino's main network. So they said, oh, here's this thermometer that is on the network so they can control it remotely. Let's hack the thermometer. Let's get some, you know, worm our way into the network here. And what else is here? Nothing, but you got to give them props. Yeah, that is creative. That is like, hey, salute. Yeah. It's amazing. So wow. once they got onto the main network, they then found the high roller database and then pulled that back across the network, out the thermometer, and up to the cloud. <laughs> this is everything. 
This, this is story this is, is like is America everything. in a nutshell. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. It is. So, uh, it, you know, it, it points out the feeble security on most Internet of Things devices. How people are just throwing them on their networks. I know casinos, wow. if if the Oceans movies are any indication, <laughs> tend to have a lot of security. Speaking of Oceans, Oceans 8 is coming out in June. That's right. Very All excited. female cast, Yeah, right? Sandra Bullock, you go, nice. girl. Um, so insecure devices. And we've seen academic papers. We've talked yeah, about academic talked papers about it, yeah. on the feeble security in these devices. And just the whole kind of laissez-faire approach. and Aquarium thermometers. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Just think about that, people. Yeah. Just think about that. Yeah, and, and whoever figured out that they could get into the, the high Just roller database from Just there. Just a genius. Wow. Yeah, so uh, so that's it for the news this week. I mean, you can't really have any more stories after no, the you can't aquarium that. thermometer no. hack. Heck no. Um, but we will have links to that story and everything else we talked about on our show page at pumptechjam.com. Up next, it's Geek Vacation Time. All right. Well, you mentioned that you have not been able to take a purely geek vacation in a while. I have not, no. The kids want to go to the theme parks and stuff. Yes, exactly. But if you are traveling by car, going up and down the East Coast, anywhere near the Washington, D.C. metro area, you've probably heard of the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum on the Mall. Of course, yeah. It is a destination for a lot of people. But did you know there is another part of the museum that is Mm. huger and not on the Mall, but out in Virginia? No. Yes, I, I, I didn't know this either until I was going down there and was looking for um, some things to do and happened to hit Aaron Space's page and said, right. oh, you know, you should go to the Stephen F. Udvar Hazy Center out in Chantilly because they're having a whole bunch of things. They were having this collection of uh, Royal Air Force warplanes. Oh, that's right weekend. up your alley. Yeah, so I wanted to see that. And then I started reading it and it was like, this is a huge, huge facility. It's two massive hangars. I think it's around... 760,000 square feet of space. But this is the extension to the National Air and Space Museum. It's about a half hour west of Washington, so you sort of need a car or you have to get there by public transit. I think you have to sort of take the train to the Dulles Airport and then there's a bus from Dulles. But however you get there, it's worth it. The museum's free. The parking's $15. But massive, massive hangars, and they have all of this historical aircraft. Do they sell Mike and Ike's? I didn't see those in the gift shop, but you can get the freeze-dried ice cream that the astronauts ate. I love that. Do they have Archie Bunker's chair there? Uh, not That's in, in the this other museum. Place. That's in the American History oh, Department. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, right. no, no, this is all uh, aviation-related ah, things. That makes sense. And so once you get out to Virginia, you go in there and you just see these massive hangars. They've got a control tower where you can get up and, and look around. Wow. But And I didn't realize the, the breadth of the collection in there because you walk in and, and you're looking around and like, oh, there's, you know, the Sopwith Camel and here's a hurricane uh, fighter from World War II. I actually and, know what a Sopwith Camel is, by the way. Because of Snoopy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you, Red Baron. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but you, you go in and if you go straight to the back, there is this NASA area and it's the space shuttle Discovery just sitting parked what? back there. Yes, it's, you know, the thing that had been, you know, part of the an integral part of the shuttle program for years. Yeah. They have uh, Discovery just sitting back there. You can get up close. You can see the ceramic tiles that everyone was so worried about right, every time right, the thing right, went right. up. Yeah. The Canada arm is right there. Uh, you know, the, the robot arm that would go and reach and do missions. They have also got, in addition to shuttle artifacts, they've got stuff about NASA's space program so you can see 
one of the Mercury capsules. I don't think it went up because they had changed the focus of the program, right. but it was the one after John Glenn would have used. Tiny, like we're sending somebody up in this like, tin can, basically. Don't they have a shuttle on the Intrepid? Yeah, and in fact, I think that was like a test flight version of the Enterprise shuttle. Mm-hmm. That had been in this hangar, and when Discovery got retired, they flew the Enterprise up here to go on the Intrepid, and they put Discovery in the, the Udvar Haase Center. This so. is how much of a New Yorker I am. I probably go to Virginia first before I go over to the West Side. Yeah. and go to the Intrepid to see the West. The traffic on the West Side. The traffic is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I hate crossing over the West Side Highway too. Yeah, and and it's uh, you can get especially the little, little jam there. Yeah, but exactly. uh, some lovely they have an IMAX theater there, uh, so you can see aviation movies. And this really is a museum for people who are into aviation history. They've got a Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird, the Concorde, you know, that thing oh, that went back yeah. and forth across the Atlantic in three hours. You know, That's it's been her. 15 years since they decommissioned those? I know. it's 15 years. Time has flown. It really has. Yes. Uh, if you are into big military history, the Enola Gay uh, oh, yeah. is there. Uh, the American bomber that dropped the uh, first atomic bomb. They've got uh, a bunch of Lockheed and Boeing uh, early jets and things, the Gemini 7 space capsule, just tons and tons of stuff. And you walk around and obviously, well, whoa, that's – and they have these old Japanese fighter. They've got some Nazi planes from World War II there. Wow. Things were shot down. For some reason, there is a model of the mothership from Close Encounters, which I did not think was a Boeing uh, thing, but it's it's kind of back there in the shuttle area. Really? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, oh, I have to go to this place. Yeah, it's it's got some very now. How big is this place? Because you know, suburban supermarkets freak me out on a scale of suburban supermarket. Well, how does it's this up fit there? In? You could hit ten WalMarts, I think. Oh, in this, uh, yeah, well, but maybe it, well, not. and then they do a thing where. You've got the big giant bombers and things on the ground, right. but then they will hang some of the smaller planes from the ceiling so you get sort of the simulated flight of seeing like this little fighter oh, jet cool. above you. That's cool. There is a landing strip in the back, so when they fly in antique aircraft like they did for this Royal Air Force 100 thing, right. they can land the planes and you can go out and they'll let people get up and see them. They had one of the dam busters was out there. Oh, nice. Uh, they had like a uh, – I think it was an RAF uh, spy plane. A bunch of just really, really, you know, long in service uh, aircraft that go around. They can do air shows and things on the side, but they have a place for them to land out there. So you've got this tarmac that you can go out to, and then you've got the two giant hangars and the control tower just full of stuff. And you're walking around and you see some of the prototype models for the space shuttle program. There was an, even a thing on um, hygiene in space and then how we take <laughs> care of that. <laughs> There are some missiles. There's part of the Mars rover mission really? back there. Yeah, like some of the I think it's a, a prototype of the Sojourner. Wow, it's back in the corner. So just if you were into NASA or any of this stuff, it's it's just this is like Disney World for that kind of thing. That's awesome. Yes, so, I'm definitely um, taking the kids to that. Yes, and, and it's very edu- and they've got educational stuff uh, for the younger ones. The gift shop is great too, and I I just had a great time. It was. And did not know that this thing was out here. I think it's only been open since 2003. Really? Because I remembered Air and Space on the mall, and, they had a, and they've moved some of the things from the very crowded mall museum out here because they, they actually space. have room to show them here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Air and Space on the mall, though, is great, too. they still got the Lunar Lander there. They've got a Spitfire. They've got Spirit of St. Louis there. That's a classic. Yeah, the Spirit of St. Louis. Yeah, and, and some of the more modern uh, Miss Lay Rocket A type things. Yeah. 
but yeah, it was just phenomenal. So um, ha- had a big weekend of museums. Also got into the uh, Museum of African American Culture and History, nice. which is mind blowing. If you can get in, go, and then try to get a ticket to go again because you cannot see the whole thing yeah. in one visit. Yep, that's what I hear. Yeah. So uh, so, so yeah, my, my my geek vacation tip is the uh, Stephen F. Udvarhazy Smithsonian Air and Space Outlet, and also the regular museum on the mall. Totally jelly. I'm totally jelly. Yeah, right and now. I'll throw up a few photos uh, onto the blog just so people want to kind of see how things are presented. But uh, nice. And and if you're in the East Coast, Washington is not that far it's away. It's not that far. Yeah, it's a bolt bus ride. Totally. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, have instructions there, and uh, if anyone's interested, you should definitely check it out. Yes, indeed. But you know what? You know what's got to happen now, right? We got to fly off ourselves. We got to fly off ourselves, right? Yeah, to the be on sunset. the Concord. Yeah. Yes, we are. Fifteen. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. We got to thank the bros. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. Build something with the bros. If you think it, they will build it. Yes. And thank you, listeners. Yes, uh, please, we hope everyone you. is having a good spring so far. There's or no spring. fall if there's, you know, wherever you're at. It's still winter. Come on. Yeah. Don't even start. It's, it's, it's 36 chilly. degrees out today. It's a bit nippy. Yes. It is. Just a touch. Yeah. So eventually we might get some tolerable weather, but That's until then. Yeah. Yeah, so until we're back uh, for the next show, hope everyone has a great time, and uh, we'll talk to you then. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Bella Rafael Rosado. And you want the space ice cream, don't you? I do. I really do. 